The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fifty-one plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Swung, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. High five, ball. Back to right center, and the Braves have landed. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Swing and drive. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hello, hello, happy Saturday to every team in the NL and ALCS and only to those teams as the Braves for the first time since 2001 are in the NLCS in today's episode of the Platinum Sombrero brought to you, as always, by Armchair Media and our friends at Bet Online. Listen, the Braves are not favored in this series. If you want to show everybody that you're smarter than everybody else, if you're a full believer in the Braves in shortened seasons and you want to put 2020 and make 2020 a banner season for at least some people in the world, go to Bet Online. You can get some really good money line deals on the Braves right now for a matchup that's going to look like a squash match on paper but it's a heck of a lot closer in real time that you know Doc and I are going to talk about. Maybe you want to say that the Rays are going to be the good guys of the world and beat the Astros. BetOnline has those odds for you. Maybe you want to sit there and play some NFL money line. It's a weird season. Weird things are happening. Nick Foles is 2-0 against Tom Brady. If you want to bet something like that, bet online. And now, if you use our promo code ARMCHAIR, I'm not going to spell it for you. You're, you're adults. You should know how that's spelled. If you go to bed online and use armchair, you're going to get a special surprise. I'm not going to tell you what it is. got to go and use the code. Then you'll see what the surprise is. But uh, everything's going on. you got NBA Finals going on as the Heat managed to pull out of Game 5 last night. A lot of good things going on in the sports world. you got Tennessee, Georgia today. you got uh, Tennessee, you got Georgia, Alabama next week. So if you want to look like a really, really smart cookie you want to show off to your friends, go to Bet Online. Have a great time and maybe win some money doing it. Bet Online, that's the place you go if you want to show how smart you are. If you want to stump the Schwab, go to Bet Online. All right, Doc. So I'm not quite sure what to do with my hands. Um, <laughs> I was 10 years old the last time we got to an NLCS uh, and uh, for... for for today, I I want to be fully honest, since no Marlins fans are listening to this episode, uh, I'm not sure if you checked out my Locked on Braves, my Thursday episode of Locked on Braves, but um, I'm pretty sure I have never been that petty in my entire life, and you know what? I feel pretty good about it. You know, man, the, the Marlins, it's easy to classify the Marlins as a Cinderella story, you know, because they were supposed to be bad, they lost like 105 games last year. And then they came out and they made the playoffs. And you say, oh, man, what a what a cool, fun story. But when you start looking at the fact that 
they were almost single-handedly the reason why the season got shut down within the first week. And all of this recurring stuff with Ronald Acuna, I've, I've said for a long time that the Marlins don't bother me nearly as much as the Mets and the Phillies. But they're kind of inching their way towards that territory. This new this series that the Braves swept. Thank you, thank you very much, Atlanta. Oh, by the way, um, business. by the way, uh, who was it that said the Braves would sweep? That uh, well, you said Braves in four, but you, at one point you did say they should sweep. I mean, locked on, I said they would. sweep. Okay, there you go. But but I'm I'm just saying. I mean, I couldn't possibly have been me because I'm not positive, right? I'm always super negative, so it couldn't possibly have been me saying that the Braves were going to be dominating through the first two rounds of the postseason. No, couldn't possibly be me. Well, look, over the first couple of innings of Game 1, it really looked like it was going to be much more of a series than it actually than it actually became. You know, Acuna hit the leadoff, and then Rojas countered in the uh, in the top of the second inning with, uh, with a home run of his own, and then Miami held a lead, but then they wanted to mess around, and they hit Ronald Acuna, which I... I'd, I'd, <laughs> Turning point in the series? Yeah, I mean, you could see it coming from a mile away. As soon as they hit him, they're like, okay, so this is how you want to do this? And, I mean, it was pretty much immediate. You know, they they immediately went to work. Freddie got him over. Azuna got him in. Yeah, And then from pretty much from right there, it wasn't much of a series after that. And I, I don't think... I don't think that it was intentional just because you would have to be stupid to throw at Ronald Acuna and give the Braves, who have a legendary offense, to give them a free base runner who you know is just elite on the bases when you're in a playoff game. And knowing the importance of game one, how you've got to win, I don't think that Sandy Alcantara would be dumb enough to just say, hey, go ahead and take your base just to live out this petty thing. But then at the end of the game, in his post game, where he said, oh yeah, well, if, if Ronald wants to fight, then he wants to come at me, then we can fight then you're doing a really bad job of, of sticking with the whole this was unintentional narrative. And so you've got almost shutting the season down. You've got Sandy Alcantara now after Alicia Hernandez and Jose Urania coming after Ronald Acuna. You have Don Mattingly, who is kind of just complaining about everything all the time. Anyway, I don't know. They just they're making themselves less and less likable as the days go on. I want to like guys like Jesus Aguilar and I want to like guys like Monty Harrison. It just it gets hard, but you know what? Worrying about the Marlins, that's something we get to do in 2021 because as soon as they hit Acuña, we went on a run that I think was 17 to 1 and just took care of business like we were supposed to. <laughs> Still undefeated in the postseason. We're 5-0. and And now we're moving on to face a much better team. Well, not just that. Travis Darno explicitly mentioned them hitting Ronald Acuna as what woke the offense up. So thank you, Miami, for turning the Braves' bats and, and getting them out of bed. Because uh, if you hadn't done that, who knows what might have happened. And uh, for Don Mattingly... I can't be the only person that thinks that he looks like a trailer trash version of like the head coach from Blaze of Glory. I don't know that actor's name, but Mattingly looks like a a, uh, a trailer park version of him. Uh, and for Mattingly to talk about that's a dirty slide, um, Don, did you forget that we still we still remember you defending the Chase Utley slide that broke Ruben Tejada's leg? One of the dirtiest slides I have ever seen in my entire life that wasn't in black and white. And, the, and you're going to sit there and say that touching spikes to Miguel Rojas's thigh is is dirty when Ronald could still touch the bag. Chase Utley was not at the bag. So uh, for Don Mattingly, there's no doubt in my mind he is a top three punchable face in any sport. Um, he's right up there with Bill Belichick. And for Mattingly, 
I, you're right that the Dodgers aren't, or the the Marlins aren't really the team that that you go and like. Ah, oh, I hate them, but I do hate Don Mattingly. He does have a long history of, of doing this, and I mean, I think that the Utley play, like that, that commonly get. That's why they had to kind of revamp the rules about slides. That is the that is the single play that changed the way that you're allowed to slide into second because of Chase Utley. Yeah, and because of Don Mattingly, who was his coach, he was his manager at the time. Yeah, so so he he kind of has a history of of doing this, but so I don't know. It was it was really nice to see that that the Braves didn't, you know, they did get issued warnings, so it's not like they could have done much anyway. And so you have to kind of chip away at that as you go. So if Acuna went in with spikes up and hit Rojas, look. If if we have to turn this this into some form of mafia justice, and I'm just gonna have to take care of this myself, sure. You wanna you wanna plunk me on the butt cheek with 98? Well, I'm gonna you know that that is a dirty move, with in, intentional or unintentional. It's still a dirty move. So hey, look, oops, sorry, went in with my spikes up. Didn't mean to spike you. Maybe get out of the way. You know they would say the same thing to him. If you don't want to get hit with 98, get out of the way. You don't want to get hit with my spikes, get out of the way. You know. Also, I'm just gonna point out because my my. Uh my locked-on colleague for the Marlins posted out about how Brian Anderson and Miguel Rojas have been hit more than Ronald Acuna. It's a very misleading stat line. It's presented that way for a reason to try to make it seem like uh, Acuna's not being hit on purpose. You can't just look at the number of times they've been hit. You have to look at what they're hit with, and the fact that Acuna's been hit by two of the fastest pitches that Jose Urania has ever thrown in his career, the fact that Eliza Hernandez most assuredly hit him on purpose uh, in retaliation for Sean Newcomb's retaliation, uh, and then you have Sandy Alcantara throwing 98 inside, and they keep saying, oh, but you have to pitch him inside. Well, if that's been the Marlins' game plan, they failed horrendously at it because Ronald Acuna has tuned them up to the line of over 162 games, 65 homers. So obviously your plan of pitching him inside doesn't work. The good news is we do not have to worry about them anymore for the rest of this postseason. You know, the, the By the way, everybody have... Go ahead. Oh, just everybody showed up and did exactly what they were supposed to do. It's kind of strange to look back at the series and say the clear least valuable player in that series was Max Freed, which that never happens. So it does kind of make you feel good about where you're going in in the next series because you know he's not going to have another just stinker performance like that. By the way, Marlins, have fun stewing on who's getting hit next year in the first game of the Braves and the Marlins. I can tell you, Brian Snicker is done and over with getting warnings for the Braves not hitting people. The Both teams getting warnings, but only one team is hitting people. So uh, have fun with that because I can, I can almost assure you, I can almost guarantee you that, somebody's, that the Braves are going to drill somebody the next time they play the Marlins. The Braves are going to be the team to hit them first because if both teams are going to get warnings, you might as well be the one that gets the warning. You might as well be the one that gets the free shot. It's been, it's been more than enough. I mean, enough is enough. Uh, at this point, anytime any, the problem is, and, and here's the bigger reason why I don't like both teams getting warnings. It does change the way that you pitch. And for the Braves, you're having the inside corner essentially taken away. The ability to pitch inside is essentially taken away from something that you did not participate in. So I understand Brian Snicker being angry, and I understand Brian wanting to fight Don Mattingly. So I don't want to talk too much about it because the Marlins are, are disgusting. They're called a Cinderella story, but really you're talking about one of Cinderella's sisters who tried to derail the season, uh, try to pretend like they're some great story when, when they're a trash team. Um, they're two years ahead of time. They're about where the Braves were in 2018. They've got some fun young players, but as long as Don Mattingly is their coach, they're not going to go anywhere because he's a moron. Um, but, you know, that's their problem. They get to watch the rest of the playoffs from the couch where they belong. 
And the Atlanta Braves now get to focus on the first real matchup of the postseason, and that is this L.A. Dodgers team that, if you want to talk about having the best play the best, this matchup is so even across the board that it, it this is the single best matchup in the postseason. World Series, NLDS, wild card round, whatever. This is the most closely contested matchup of teams for this entire postseason. One thing that this series has in common with all of the rest of them is that the Braves are going to be the underdog. There was no real reason for the Braves to be the underdog against the Reds. I understand why people thought that Cincinnati might win, but the Braves were just the better team. And then they moved on to face the Marlins, where some of it was people saying, well, they're not going to be able to keep up what they did against Cincinnati. Uh, Miami's offense is better than Cincinnati's, and they've got better young pitching, so they're going to beat the Braves. And then that didn't happen either. Well, now... Now there's an actual reason for for the Braves to be in the David situation instead of just being the Goliath. So they're still not going to be favored to win the series. And as it stands right now, the Dodgers have a 41.1% chance of winning a World Series. That is according to fan graphs. The good news is the Braves have 22.1% chance of winning the series. And both of those are higher than either of the teams coming out of the American League. So you can make the case, you know, this... It doesn't have the, the name of World Series, but you're right. These are the two best teams. These, these are the teams that you want to see going head-to-head. The amount of stars slash superstars that are playing in the series is just remarkable. You know all about Atlanta's. You know that LA's got Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger and Clayton Kershaw, regardless of whether he can pitch in the, in the postseason or not. This year, he is actually proving that he can do that, which is counter to a lot of previous years. So this is going to be... There were a lot of complaints about the Braves not playing in primetime. Well, look, you're about to get your primetime series against a primetime team. These are going to be... This is the series that everybody's going to have its eyes on. And rightfully so. And I don't know if the Braves are actually going to be able to keep up the starting pitching that they did. You know, we we just talked a little bit about Freed and his outing. They've thrown four shutouts in five postseason games. That's been done, like, once. And that's... What we're seeing is historical, but once again, like I said, the Reds offense isn't all that. The Marlins offense isn't all that. The Dodgers offense, it's all that and then some. I mean, they're the only team that scored more than the Braves this year. One through nine, they can pulverize you. So even for as inspired as I was out of what I saw out of Ian Anderson the other day, and I would legitimately consider giving him the ball for game one, I'm not so sure that Kyle Wright is not going to get just pulverized by the Dodgers. But I did like what I saw from him against Miami. I'll say this. um, In a normal year, I would say that the Dodgers would have a huge advantage in the starting rotation. This year, not so much. Like, Walker Buehler's been dealing with blister issues and really just hasn't been good this year. If only somebody had said that Max Fried would be better than Walker Buehler like six or three months ago. Oh, oh, that was me as well. Who was that? Uh, that was me also uh, while I was in the hospital waiting for my child to be born. But, you know, whatever. Um, just just a, a quick note that I can be positive at times. Um, but I actually I hadn't considered starting Ian in Game 1. I actually kind of like that. Let Ian match up with Walker Bueller, who hasn't been particularly sharp at all. Uh, and let let Max Mac, uh, let Max match up with Clayton Kershaw. I think that'd be pretty cool. Now you know Max is going to start Game 1 because they're going to want Max in Game 5 as well. Um, but I actually I wouldn't mind... Or actually, if you could go with Max on Game 6 or Game 7, but whatever. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind having Max go Game 2. Uh, it's one of those weird things where Max being from that area, you know, the, the times that Max has faced the Dodgers hasn't fared well for him. Now, granted, that was a different Max Freed, but that Dodgers team 
there's a lot of right-handed pop in that in that lineup. A lot of right-handed pop. Uh, you're talking about Mookie Betts, Justin Turner. I mean, you're talking about a, a, a lot of really, really strong right-handed hitters. Uh, I actually don't mind if you want to go with Ian first. I don't think they're going to. I just don't see a way that, that Brian Snicker and the Braves decide to throw a guy with eight career starts as their, their game one starter against the Dodgers. Uh, but either way, I actually feel pretty good about the pitching matchup. It's pretty close. Kershaw's been lights out for most of the postseason. The, the Padres got to him a little bit. But you talked about the Braves not facing great offenses. The, the, the Dodgers really didn't either. And we can talk about the Padres. You know, they, they rank up as a pretty decent offense, but that's only if you don't pay attention to what happened at the end of the season for them. Um, Tatis was awful in September. Machado turned it on, but Machado wasn't that good in the first half of the season. So the the Dodgers got to face a, a team that they regularly obliterate in the Padres. They didn't have to face Mike Clevenger. They didn't have to face the Nelson Lamette. So when you talk about pitching, the Braves have faced way better pitchers than the Dodgers have. And I think it bears out in the fact that the Braves went through a much tougher slog during the season. We can talk about how the Dodgers did not lose a three game did not lose three consecutive games all season. I mean they only lost seventeen games, so that's not shocking to see. Um, but they also got to play the AL West, which was the worst division in baseball, besides the two centrals. And they got to play a lot of the, the gimme games in the NL West. You're talking about the Diamondbacks aren't a good team. The Rockies weren't a good team. The only other good team in that division was the, uh, was the Padres. And when you, when you look at their path to the playoff success, the Dodgers are going to be favored. And you know what? They probably should, because the areas where the Braves dominate – the Dodgers are like right ahead of them. The Dodgers have scored 349 runs this year. The Braves 348. Uh, the Dodgers were the number one offense. The Braves were the number two. Uh, when you look at the starting pitching, the Dodgers were better during the season, but in the postseason, the Braves have been the only unit to have an ERA under five, I believe. I think everybody else's team ERA is over five. Uh, the Braves have been absolutely dominating. And then you look at the bullpens, and while the Dodgers do have a good bullpen, I think the Braves' bullpen is better. They've certainly pitched like it in the postseason, but I think the Braves' bullpen is just better. The Braves' bullpen does not have a weakness the same way the Dodgers have a very pronounced weakness in Kinley Jansen. Great thing about playoff baseball is that you really trim the fat off of your rosters. And no offense to to Luke Jackson, but he was not having the type of year where he would have made any meaningful appearances. If the Braves are trying to win, you got to roll with your best. And look, we like Luke as a guy, but as a pitcher, it's a little bit harder to get behind because it's super uneven. And when you do that, when you trim off the the guys that are right there on the fringes, you know, you're not relying on your fourth and fifth starter. You've got your top one through three. You've got your elite bullpen guys. You don't have any stragglers on the bench. I mean, this is <clears throat> this is exactly what you want. And these are two teams that are built very similar in that way. And yeah, the Braves bullpen has did some things in both of these series that that are just if you're going to give out like an MVP it goes to Travis Darno but if it doesn't go to Travis Darno it just goes to the bullpen as a whole because everybody has come in and just performed to the best of their abilities and the Dodgers have a really good bullpen too but they're also hamstrung by the fact that Caleb Ferguson had Tommy John and he's one of their big strikeout guys he's not going to be in the fold for this series you're right about Kenley Jansen the Braves do have the edge there I think the Dodgers have had the edge on offense um but if the Braves are clicking then maybe not and and it is important to focus on who these teams played yeah the Dodgers went 43 and 17 they they didn't lose more than three straight games, which you're not supposed to. You, 
they did not face any team with really good, robust pitching. You're right, the Padres have Clevenger and Lamette, but they only had Clevenger for the last month, and they didn't even really have him for the last month. Lamette's been out for a while. You start looking at the Diamondbacks, they don't have much. The Giants, they don't have much. The Rockies, even the teams that they were playing in the AL West. So, And then who they saw in the playoffs, You know, they played the Brewers, and Brewers not only don't have great pitching outside of Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, <laughs> But their offense. They don't have great players, period. I mean, that was the worst team to be in the playoffs. It's hard to believe that they were like this whole notion about oh, the NL Central's so good. They got four teams in there. Yeah, how'd that work out for them? All four of them out in the wild card round. Yeah, immediately. And and so they they faced the Brewers, and then you know the the Brewers just went back home with a whimper. And then the Padres, you know, the, we all know about the Padres' offense, but they don't have the pitching. So I hate to to try and do this college football thing where it's like, man, they ain't played anybody, but they they ain't played anybody, man. They really haven't. And granted, the Braves, you know, they spent the season beating up on the Marlins and the Mets and the Nationals, but there's some there's some good. I didn't even mention the Phillies. There are some really good pitchers in this division. You know, you start looking at your Degroms and your Nolas, and you, I mean, we live in the NL East. You know all, all of the names. So the Braves really did perform well. An important thing to note here, you mentioned that the the amount of runs that each team scored, the Dodgers outscored the Braves by one. The run differential for the Braves was 60. The run differential for the Dodgers was 136. So that says a lot about the pitching. And this comes back to my point about trimming the fat. Robbie Erlin, Tommy Malone, Mike Fultonavich, Sean Newcomb, Luke Jackson, Tuki Toussaint. None of these guys are here right now. So it's just the best of the best. So you can look back at the season. You can look at the the fact that the Braves starting core had an ERA of 551, but not the guys that are still going to be making the starts. So it's very misleading. And I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about this matchup. And not because I think it's one of the... It's, this is the marquee matchup, and I don't want to skate into a World Series by beating the Reds and the Marlins. No, I want to face the best. We want Bama, dude. We we want the best of the best, and that's exactly what the Dodgers are. Even that being the case, the Braves can beat them, and I will not be surprised if the Braves do go out and beat them on their way to a World Series. I, I said last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago when we were first starting the playoffs, I've been saying since March, Braves over the Twins in the World Series in five. Well, the Twins, they were in the Central. They got bounced immediately, like you just said. I keep looking for reasons to go off of my Braves pick, and I really just don't have one. I have so much faith in this team, and it's not even because I'm a fan. It's just, this team is always scary, no matter what. And sometimes They're it, so well-rounded. They're, they're built for playoff baseball, where you don't have to get into the weaker portions of their starting rotation. Now that Kyle Wright has kind of solidified, solidified himself since moving over the first base side of the rubber, it's a much different team. I mean, you, you talk about this Braves team and how they rank up against other Braves teams. This might be the most complete Braves team I've ever seen. I mean, we, we consider that this is most certainly the highest-powered offense they've had in the last decade-plus. Uh, you, you talk about the bullpen. This is probably the best bullpen they've ever had, period. Oh, and then you talk about... And you could say that, you know, Oventral was, was elite elite, but that was three people. This entire Braves bullpen is elite. And they have been this year. And then you talk about the starting rotation. Max Freed is one of the best pitchers in baseball. I know he didn't pitch like in the first game against the Marlins, but you know what? That's one game, and Max has shown all season long that he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Ian Anderson has come up and been Steve Avery. I mean, Kyle Wright, his first playoff outing, he actually did the best out of all three. It's just 
this is a different type of Braves team. And when you're talking about the matchup with the Dodgers, uh, I agree. There's certainly a path to victory for the Braves. This is one series where I, I told you that I thought the Braves would sweep the Marlins or that they would win in four. But this is a series that I could legitimately see either team sweep or I could see it go seven games. I could see any outcome in this series because these teams are so evenly matched that momentum is going to be such a key component. More for the Braves than the Dodgers because I believe the Dodgers are a little bit more even-keeled and the Braves tend to ride that momentum high a little bit more than they do. But if the Braves can seize momentum, then the Braves can certainly steamroll this Dodgers team. They, their pitching staff gives up a lot of home runs, and I think that's going to be the key in this series. If the Braves can keep the Dodgers on the ground and their pitchers do a great job of inducing ground balls, if the Braves can keep the Dodgers on the ground and minimize the fly balls, They've got a real shot at making it to the World Series. And once the Braves get to the World Series, I'll take them over anybody in the AL. I will too. And we're going to get to more on that in just one second. Before we go any farther, wanted to remind you we are brought to you by Bet Online. Use our promo code ARMCHAIR to make a little bit of extra cash going into the holiday season. Whether you want to put it on the NLCS, uh, the uh, NFL, or college, maybe you want to put some money down on whether or not they wind up having to cancel the season because of COVID as the weather gets colder. Uh, NBA Finals have been going on nonstop since 1971 without an offseason. There's plenty of time for you to go to Bet Online, make a wager that the Braves are going to beat the Dodgers, or maybe you want to put some money on the Rays beating the Trash and help you get rich-ish. We're also brought to you by the Foundation for Naming Baseball Teams After People. The Atlanta Daves and the Los Angeles Rogers will face each other in the NLCS, and the Tampa Bay Raymonds made it to the ALCS, and that three out of four ain't bad. Also, from Manscaped, Autumn is upon us. Nature is indicating it is time to shed your leaves, and Manscaped can turn that metaphor into a smooth situation downstairs. You can use the Lawnmower 3.0 skin-safe technology to keep from mangling anything you deem necessary. The ceramic blade is going to be your best friend. If you want a more fragrant package, the Crop Preserver can preserve, and the Crop Reviver can revive. If you go to Manscaped.com now, use the promo code ARMCHAIR, you're going to get 20% off your order with free shipping. You can trim, preserve, revive. You can basically do anything you want with Manscaped, including not looking like a Wolverine. Now, before I fulfilled our contractual contractual obligations just now, you were talking about the Dodgers will give up home runs. And it's not just that they give up home runs, it's that they have been giving up home runs in Dodger Stadium. That's a hard place to hit a home run. And the Dodgers do a lot of things really well. One thing they don't do is they don't strike out a lot of guys. They, they averaged uh, 8.9 strikeouts per nine, somewhere around there, which is still very good. They won't give up a lot of walks, but they are much more a contact-oriented pitching staff. And for a team like the Braves, they do have high strikeout numbers, but if you can get them to get the ball in play, they're fast enough to where they can really make some noise. That That's one area that the Braves have a clear advantage over the Dodgers, is that they are a much faster team. And I think the Braves, we, we had talked about the Marlins last week, about how pesky and how annoying they are. I think the Braves could really benefit from being as annoying as they can. We know they can hit a lot of home runs. Anybody one through nine kind of with the exception of Marquecas, is a threat to go deep at any point. Marquecas is still a good hitter. He just doesn't hit a lot of home runs. But if you can just play station to station, do that tiny little annoying stuff. I'm not talking about bunts like A-Rod wants you to think about, but like going first to third, moving up on sack flies, actually hitting a sack fly every once in a while, going out of your way, you know, choking up a little bit and, and trying to get the run in from third. These are things that the Braves, we didn't see them do a lot this season, but they would be very well suited to try as hard as they can to just piss the Dodgers off and just annoy them into submission. I'm with you. Any scenario that plays out this year in this series is not going to surprise me. But I do think the Braves have a 
I don't want to say we have like a really great chance to win, but I I think the Braves can, and I think they will win the series. I, I really do. I'm, I am less guarded about this one than I was about either of the last two. We've checked the box for the wild card. We've That's checked funny. the box for the That's DS. Funny. I'm uh, I'm the I'm the exact opposite. I think this is clearly the one series that I think the Braves have a distinct chance of losing. I'd put this at about 50-50. I really do think the teams are that evenly matched. I think that the Braves, you're right, the Braves have a decided advantage in the fact that they give up less home runs as a pitching staff, particularly with these three starters. They give up much less home runs than the Dodgers do. When you talk about the Dodgers being a contact-oriented team, that can work in their favor because it can mean really low pitch counts and their starters can go deep into games. But we've seen what happens with this Braves lineup. If you don't, if you aren't a guy that can strike out 12, this Braves team, if you're a strikeout pitcher, you'll strike out a ton of these guys. But if you're contacted, contact-oriented, it's only a matter of time before the Braves start punishing you. And when you're, when you're considering which Braves you have to watch out for, this postseason has been enlightening for one particular reason, and that's Travis Darno. Travis Darno had a great season. Matter of fact, I believe he was the, the best hitting catcher in baseball. If you look at his uh, stat cast numbers, uh, everything from hard hit rates to his OPS to uh, all that good stuff. His exit velocities, Travis Darno might have been the best offensive catcher in baseball this year, just purely by a numbers standpoint or by a metric standpoint. But when you talk about what he's done this postseason, it's been completely different. And him being able to hit right behind Marcelo Zuna, who hits right behind Freddie Freeman, who hits right behind Ronald Acuna, that's a huge boon for a guy like Travis Darno, who's been your playoff MVP, period, point blank. He has been the MVP of this postseason, sit, uh, hitting in the four hole. And that's a guy that I. I love Mike Petriello, friend of the program, Mike Petriello. I love when we had him on. But that's one area that I, I just, frankly, I, I think he is way off picking Will Smith over Travis Darno uh, and picking uh, Chris Taylor over Ozzie Albies. I think that that's a rare miss by him, and I think that will be proven in this series. Ozzie Albies, I think this is kind of the series where he can bust out a little bit. Against Kershaw, he's going to get to bat right-handed. Against Urias, he's going to get to bat right-handed. Um, th- this is a series where I think if you go across the board – position by position, I think the teams are basically even. You talk about first base, Muncie is good, but I'm taking Freddie all day. Second base, I'm taking Ozzie over Chris Taylor. Shortstop, I'll take Corey Seager over Dansby Swanson. And some people might think I'm just hating on Dansby. Go take a look at what Corey Seager did this year. Uh, third base, obviously I'm taking Justin Turner over Austin Riley. Justin Turner has been his normal pesky, super good self. Austin's played good defense, really good defense, uh, but Turner's played both. Um, you go into right field, then Mookie Betts, I don't think there's very many people in baseball that I would pick over Mookie Betts. Center field is the interesting question. Uh, does the homer in me take Acuna? Yes. Uh, does the baseball player in me say, ooh, Cody Bellinger in center field versus Ronald Acuna? I'll call it, I'll call it a wash. I think that that's the cl- national, I won't, be, I won't be upset if they take Bellinger over Acuna. It's just the way it's going to be. Bellinger's the reigning MVP. Um, hasn't had a particularly great postseason, though. Uh, and it's kind of been a theme for Cody Bellinger. But uh, left field, uh, you got Jock Peterson for them versus Adam Duvall. And I think that's pretty much a wash as well. I think Adam Duvall plays better defense. I think they're pretty similar hitters. So you look at how they match up. This is a this is a good across-the-board baseball matchup. No team in this series, despite what the, what the, the odds are going to tell you, no team in this series is significantly better than the other one. This is going to be very, very tight. And I really do think, like I said against the Marlins, Game one is going to be the most important game. I mean, it's not hard to say that. Game one is usually the most important game in a playoff series. But especially in a series where you don't have any off days, game one is going to have such a vital importance to you. Uh, And I think, again, if the Braves are able to, if their Braves starting pitching are able to do their normal thing 
and keep the ball on the ground, I think the Braves can ground this Dodgers offense. My favorite thing about Kyle Wright's performance the other day is that he had a 7% fly ball rate and a 78.6% ground ball rate. If he can do that, that's whew, that's serious. Dodgers hit the ball also, in the air a lot. Let's also talk though. about this. The one different thing in this postseason from the regular season for the Braves, they're not walking anybody. And you mentioned the Dodgers. They don't walk a lot of people. Well, if the Braves are able to keep the walks in check and keep them to where the Dodgers keep them, you're talking about two offenses that are going to go at it. And we, you talked about the big pitching difference. The, the pitching gap between the West and the East is astronomical. I mean, I, I, I can't pick one pitcher in the West that's not on the Dodgers that you'd look at, besides Denelson Lamette, who was amazing this year, who you'd look at and put on the same par as Aaron Nola and Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg and Garrett Cole and Charlie Morton and Tyler Glasnow and Blake Snell and all of these guys. I mean, the Braves have faced so much in the way of dominant pitching that there's not a guy that the Dodgers are going to throw out there that's anything that the Braves haven't seen. Now, I said this when the Braves were facing Bauer and Castillo, and those two both went out and dominated, but... The Braves still won the game, which is really all that matters. But when you look at at who each guys are going to face, we can say that the Braves' starting pitching isn't like elite as that. But as far as what the Dodgers faced all year, this is probably the best rotation they faced this year. I think that's talent that's wise, absolutely talent true. Wise. No, that's I think you're absolutely right. And these guys are turning it on at just the right time, you know. And one other thing that I really liked about Kyle Wright's start and that I think this is going to be something big to watch going into Game 3 is that he had the ability, because the Braves were up 5 to nothing, they were up 7 to nothing by, by the time that Wright left, and he had plenty of time to settle in. He didn't have to worry about, if I make one bad pitch, I'm going to surrender the lead or something like that. He got to settle in, he got to be comfortable in a playoff game, and once again, he got to do it against... Um, My wife just slammed the door, and I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> he got to uh, do this in front of no fans. So we we had talked about the um, what th- this was going to mean for some of these guys who are still struggling to kind of get over the nerves sometimes, maybe even like a Tyler Matzik. You know, the fact that he's been so dominant, maybe the fact that he, you know, he dealt with the yips before, and he being able to just go out and pitch and not have to worry about the fact that you're doing it in front of 50,000 people or whatever, then I mean, I think that's huge. Another thing to look at in this series is that there are going to be fans in the stands. They're selling 11,500 tickets to every game. This will be the first time all year that the Braves will be playing in front of a crowd, and you know how much Acuna and Albies feed off of being in front of a crowd. And one other thing that I am very much looking forward to, to paying attention to, this is the eighth straight year that the Dodgers have won the NL West. They still have not won a World Series. They are pretty much the 90s Braves, okay? After a while, it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, we've seen that more than anybody. Yeah, and and it just starts to get in your head, you know, we can't get past this round, We don't know, and we don't know how to seal the deal. And the Dodgers, ha- nobody knows that fact better than the Dodgers. So... I think this is obviously a talented enough team to win the World Series. I mean, the Dodgers are just stupid good. But they also know that if they take their foot off the gas for one second, they're going to get passed because the Braves are so good. And we we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves and start just talking about how we're going to go out and dominate. But we could. We really could, and I'm I'm so I'm so scared that we're going to go and get in the series and it's just going to be 
Like, I, I am more concerned about how I'm going to respond to the Braves coming out and dominating in this series than if they just show up and don't hit at all. Because this, we've been waiting for this moment for a really long time. And the, the amount of steps it's going to take for the Braves to seal the deal on this, they get less and less every time. You know, before it was got to win 13, then it was you got to win 11, and now it's you got to win 8. And so they went four well, more. Like, We're right there, dude. Just like we said last week, just getting that first series victory out of the way, it's such a huge weight off the players' shoulders because they know it's been 20 years. I mean, it's such a, a, a big release. Like, you're able to breathe again. Like, you're able to, to kind of relax a little bit. And for Freddie Freeman, I think Freddie, I won't say secret weapon because everybody knows Freddie, but if you look at Freddie's postseason numbers, they are so misleading. He has hit the ball so much better than he has in the past few postseasons. He's just been super unlucky. But that that's going to that's going to change. Freddie is going to have his MVP moments. But you really you take a look at these two teams, and man, I can't believe I'm going to say this on the show. But you you take a look at one of the biggest differences might be Brian Snicker has been the second best manager in the postseason. He has been pretty much flawless. I mean, the only the only reason I say second best is because Kevin Cash is like an actual weapon, which is unheard of for a manager. Most of the time you just man you you measure a manager by how little does he hurt you. Kevin Cash makes you better cuz you look at that Rays team. They're not an uber talented team. They don't have any players really that you would say are our top 50 or top 100 in baseball. I mean, they're they're just not an elite team talent-wise, but Kevin Cash is so good at getting the best players in the best spots possible for that player. That it's such a huge boon. But you look at what Brian Snicker's done this year in this postseason, everything he's done has worked perfectly. And for Snit, I'm hoping that this that he can kind of see how this is working because you don't have to be Kevin Cash to be a boon to your team. You just have to not be uh, Gabe Kapler. You just have to be able to recognize when you should go to your best guys. And that's one of the things that Sin has done really well this postseason. He knows which of his bullpen guys are the best. And this postseason, he's kind of just said, screw it, and, and gone with the best guys. And it helps that nobody in your bullpen is bad right now, that everybody's amazing, that Tyler Matzik has basically struck out every batter he's faced. Uh, but we've barely seen A.J. Minter. We haven't needed to see him very much. Uh, we've seen Chris Martin a few times, but we haven't seen Shane Green all that often. The Bra- We haven't seen Jacob Webb all that often either. The Braves have one of the deepest bullpens, and it's full of guys that go more than one inning, which I've talked about a lot, but the Dodgers are kind of built the same way. That's going to be a key in this. So if you have a bad start from a starter, neither one of these teams have to freak out because it doesn't mean you have to burn your bullpen. Everybody in these bullpens can go two-plus innings. It's really something special. And for Brian Snicker, we bag on him a lot when he deserves it. So I really just wanted to take the time out to to really give some praise to Brian Snicker and just how good he's been this postseason. If it weren't for Kevin Cash, he would be the best manager in this postseason. No, I absolutely credit where it's due. I mean, having having all of your best players, it certainly um, it certainly makes you look a little bit smarter. Like if you bring in Luke Jackson with the bases loaded and he strikes somebody out, then it looks like a brilliant move. But if he gives up a grand slam, well, then you can second guess the, day, the, the decision into oblivion. So being able to to not have to deal with some of the fringes has certainly played to it. But you're right. Every move that he has made, he has pulled all of his pitchers at exactly the right time. He he has really, really done a great job with uh, with what he's done. And, and to that credit, if you can combine a guy like Snit who has his players unconditionally have his back all of the time with some really, really sound decision-making. I mean, that you can't ask for any more than that. So that's yet another reason why I'm still kind of looking at this going, I still am not convinced we're going to lose this series. 
No, I absolutely. I uh, I'm not going to pick this series uh, because I think this is an actual series. I didn't mind picking the Reds and the Marlins series because those weren't real series. The Braves were. Ne- there was never any doubt that the Braves would lose those series. Neither one of those two teams was nearly talented enough. Cinderella stories are cool, but talented teams are cooler. Uh, and and there's levels to this ish. To quote Chris Domino, uh, and the Marlins just found out the hard way that there's still a few levels down from being the class of the NL East. Uh, but going into this series, I'm I'm just excited because this this is going to be the best series baseball-wise, of the entire season. This is going to be a great matchup for years to come. This is not the last two time, the last time these two teams are going to square off. And either way, whichever team wins, this is going to exercise some demons. And I think I, I really do think that the Braves have... I don't want to say they're playing with house money. I want to say that they're playing with, with a rejuvenated spirit because they've got that huge albatross off their backs. Now they're able to go out and have fun. Uh, and now they're able to... If they can seize momentum game one, if the Braves come out game one and they just throttle Walker Bueller and they, they're able to beat the Dodgers in game one, then I think the Braves win the series. I think whoever wins game one wins the series. I'll say that. That's as far as I'll go. Well, let me ask you this. In the instance that the Braves do win this series and advanced to the World Series, would you rather face the Astros or the Rays? Baseball-wise, I'd rather face the Rays because I, I, I just love watching that Rays team play baseball. Um As far as Braves-wise, I want to face the Astros. The Braves are a way better team than the Astros. Um 60-game seasons, or you can't really just say, oh, this team is just flat-out awful. The Astros have a lot of talent, but again, they're trying to roll with Christian Javier, who's one of my favorite prospects, but um, their, their pitching staff has Framber Valdez, who's been really good, but their pitching staff has been a little bit more lucky than the Braves' pitching staff has been this, this postseason. Uh, the Astros have some really good players still, even though a lot of them don't seem to be able to hit without uh, the trash can sound behind them. They still have a very good team. I just think the Braves are better in every single area. So uh, for a Braves standpoint, give me the Astros. Let the Braves be, for whatever reason, the Braves had to play the bad guy for the first two series because national writers fell in love with the Reds because Trevor Bauer's good at talking trash. And then everybody just forgot that the Marlins tried to ruin the season and, and gave another team COVID and, oh, the Cinderella story. Uh, and the Braves had to play bad guy for both of those. Uh, this series, I don't want to say, I don't think either team's a bad guy. This is kind of that series where it's Goliath versus Goliath. Uh, but you get to the postseason. Whoever play, who, you get to the World Series. If the Astros make it to the World Series, whoever plays the Astros is the good guy. So uh, the national storyline, MLB is going to be praying that it's going to be Los Angeles versus Houston. But uh, as a baseball fan, I don't really care which matchup it is. I just really want to see the Braves and the Rays have a classic World Series with the Braves winning. If it does wind up being Astros-Dodgers, it will be a very, very landmark event because it will be the first time I have ever pulled for the L.A. Dodgers at anything. It'll be the, it'll be the first time that the Dodgers have been, like, the good guy. I know. And and that's the, the funny thing, too, about this from the Rays' perspective. Like, everybody always likes to make fun. You know, nobody ever comes to see the Rays, and they're going to move to Montreal and all that. And maybe that's true. But for a team that is so maligned for having no fans... Every single person that is watching baseball right now that does not live within Houston is pulling for Tampa. So th- this is the first time, maybe in the, the team's history, that they have national momentum behind them. So that that's really cool to see. I mean, and I'm, I'm pretty much with you. I think that Braves-Rays would be just an all-time classic World Series. Braves versus Astros, I think, would be a bloodbath. I think the Braves would just mop the floor with them. And truthfully... If the Braves lose and it's Dodgers Astros, I mean, there's there's so many built-in storylines to that already. But also Dodgers versus Rays. When you're looking at analytics versus um, payrolls, I mean, the the Dodgers payroll is like 
four or five times what the Rays is. But and also Andrew Friedman left the Rays and went to the Dodgers. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff about that right there that would be really good for baseball too. But I'm I'm not really prepared to entertain a World Series idea that doesn't have the Braves in it yet. But that is for next week us to talk about. Right for this week us, we're going to go ahead and end the episode now as we've. Uh... I think we've covered all the points. So getting heading into this series on this special Saturday edition, just know that we won't be recording an episode during the series next week. We'll wait until the series is, has concluded either way. But um, this is a different type of Braves team. And while I would normally be concerned about a matchup with a team like the Dodgers, while I said that I think this is a 50-50 type of series, I'm not overly concerned. I mean, I, I know that the Braves can lose this series. This is the first time I felt that they can lose the series. But I'm really not concerned. I expect this to be an outstanding series, and for whichever team moves on, I think this is the real World Series matchup. I think this, whoever wins this series wins it all, and I think that the Braves have as good a chance as anybody in baseball would have against the Dodgers, probably a better chance, because this is the one team that matches up with the Dodgers strength for strength. So I'm really looking forward to this, Doc. I know you are too. Uh, all you guys out there, I know you guys are as well. Can't wait to, to watch it. I know you guys will be following us along on Twitter, as uh, I am prone to... Uh, I don't want to say blank post, I'll say. Uh, I don't want to say the word. Uh, but uh, I, I'm very, very excited for this series. I can't wait to get it underway. And, Doc, I can't wait to talk to you next week. We can talk about the Braves heading to the World Series and getting ready to win their first World Series since 1995. Also, the last time they beat the Reds in the postseason. Uh, just throwing that out there. Braves in short season baseball, everybody. Uh, everybody have a great week. We will catch you next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Sombrero.